0: Thank you for joining us today with Newly Awakened Ministries. I'm just going to open up in prayer. Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you that you don't take one night for granted. God, you don't take one night just as to pass by, but we get to gather here just to focus on you, to worship on you, Lord, to love on you. And God, I thank you for All the things that you have in store, God, I just thank you for every heart that is being uh, touched, God. And Lord, I just even ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. God, I just thank you that you are just bringing revelation, God, and wisdom to every situation, God. And we just thank you, God, that you are a miracle working God. (laughs) We thank you that there is no one like you. That you are faithful that you are loving, that you are kind, that you're patient with us. God, I thank you for all that you have in store for tonight and just even our lives, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. So, tonight, the the word the Lord gave me for you guys is about the promise of God. And I'm really excited. Uh, I really am. And so the, one of the words that the Lord's given me for tonight was that He was saying that the divine pro, uh, promise is joined together with a divine process. You know, that the divine promise is joined together with a divine process. And I, the Lord, He kept laying on my heart to start off with Abraham and, you know, that we can easily see that his divine promise was to create a nation. That he would have many descendants that would be called the chosen people of the creator. You know, the chosen people of God that we know to be the house of Israel. And then thankfully that Jesus by his cross grafted us in all that that believe, we'll you know. And so most of us, we know about Abraham's dilemma. You know, that the promised child was told to Abraham when he was 75, right? It was a similar year that when his father, when Abraham's father, you know, actually gave, you know, when Abraham was conceived, uh, but God made Abraham wait 24 years before that promise was fulfilled. You you see, Abraham's father was Terah, and he was actually 70 years old. When Abraham was born, so it actually was very possible. When Abraham was seventy-five, you know the promise was, I mean, he was saying, "Hey, I'm still going to give you a son." You know, <laughs> but God had to wait until the word says that their bodies were good as dead. That until he was ninety-nine, and he and Sarah was eighty-nine for that promise to be fulfilled. Don't you love it when God does that? (laughs) He gives you a word and you're like, you know, I can see that happening. And then he actually makes it in a way where it was only by his word and his hand that it was possible. You know, and that's what it is like, you know, our God is the God of the impossible. Even when the situations and our circumstances look defeating by our natural eye, you know, our God is the God of supernatural breakthrough and that the word never You know, the word never tells us to give up, but yet to endure, uh, yet to endure, because if we endure, we will reap the harvest if we do not give up like Galatians, you know, chapter six, verse eight through 10 says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from his own flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good for the one for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are the household of the faith. And then in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 3, and then also through 8 through 13, it says, Now faith is certainly the things hoped for. Kind of like those pies my uncle was talking about. But now, Satan, but now faith is certainly the things hoped for, for proof of the things not seen. You know, for it was by the people of old uh, gained approval. By faith, we understand that the world has been created by the word of God, so that it was seen, uh, so that it was seen as not been made out of the things that are visible, out of the things of this world. And now to verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to the place which he ha- he was received for an inheritance. And he left, not knowing where he was going, but by faith he lived as a stranger in the lands of promise, in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he looked For he was looking for a city, which foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I love it because it kind of reminds me in John 14 where Jesus tells his disciples, I have gone and prepared a place for you. It was it was that same promise. You can see all the way from the beginning with Abraham. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I have a home that's already built for you. So he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even which beyond the proper time of her life, since she was considered uh, him faithful who had promised. And therefore, even from one man uh, and whose one was as good as dead at that, uh, that there were born descendants that who were just as the stars uh, in heaven in number, and as innumerable as uh, grains of sand along the seashore and all these died in faith without receiving the promises but have seen the wealth but had seen and welcomed them from a distance you know they had seen the birthing of the promise but they didn't see it in its fullness. they welcomed it from a distance and having confessed they were uh, strangers and exiles on earth So you see God gave Abraham a divine promise, That had the divine process of testing, of pruning, but it came to fulfillment. Abraham trusted that his son of promise and his grandchildren would be the nation of God's chosen people. I mean, you have to also understand, Abraham had a total of seven sons. You know, he had Ishmael, then he had Isaac, and then he had five others after Isaac. And that we can now see God stayed true to his word. So, if God has given you a promise, hold on to it. You know, you will see the Lord be faithful. Also, if the Lord gives you a promise, you can put your faith on it. And you can put your faith in it. Because if we cannot steward the promise, when it is in its seed form, when it's in its word form, we won't be able to properly handle its fruit. And so... And I even love it because, like I said, sometimes the circumstances and the situations that don't look like the things are going to work out, but God, He's already saying, "Like, look, I'm going to make a way. And so in Isaiah 55, verses 8-11, through 11, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from the heaven... And do not return without watering the earth and making produce and sprout and providing seed to the sower and the bread to the eater. So will my word, which goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the purpose which I sent it. So this is what I'm saying. If God's given you a word, if God's given you a promise, he tells us right here that it's going to happen. It's going to fulfill And the way he says it. But you know, we can know that a divine process, the divine process that we all go through, it can look different for everyone. And it looks different for everyone that we read in Scripture. But the common factor that we see in all of them is that they kept their faith in our Father in heaven. They knew that our God was going to make a way. And that we know Jesus, God and flesh, that dwelt among us. You know, he has he had many promises on his life by promises. You know, and he was actually promise fulfilled. He wasn't just you know living out promises. He was promise fulfilled, just being manifested. But he did fulfill every promise to prove that he was truly the Messiah. You know, but what was Jesus's promise? Like we all know this because he went out teaching, healing, delivering, dead raising. You know, he was under attack. You know, we read that Jesus escapes multiple assassinations and arrests. You know, and part of his divine process, to his divine process is that he would endure the pro the, the cross. Yet yeah, part of his divine process to his divine promises that he would endure the cross because Jesus also defeated the death defeated death. <laughs> you know, I love to write poetry and I love to write songs. And so part of something that I wrote, I like, I was just work, I was writing about Jesus's resurrection. And so in poetic form, you know, I was saying that Jesus he could not stay 6 feet under because he turned a grave into an empty tomb. I'm telling you like I know he wasn't literally 6 feet under he was actually in something but he defeated something that seemed to be impossible. Jesus he's the resurrect he has resurrection power and he has given us that resurrection power. And so you know we know Jesus's process was being beaten placed on a cross and raising from a tomb so that he would receive his promise, which is the nations of the earth. And so that all that call in his name will be saved and will be with him eternally. Hmm. You and I are Jesus's promise. Don't you love that? Wow. Like we are Jesus's promise. Because even says, like, you know, the father has given me all authority, but you know, the, the nations... Are his inheritance. I was reading in Isaiah and I was just going through it. And, uh, you know, it was even talking about when it was talking about, you know, the fall of Lucifer, uh, you know, in 14. But the beginning, it was showing how when the fulfillment of the promise comes, it was going to take over, he was going to take captive over the ones that had captivated Israel. And I was just thinking about it that all those that held Israel in bondage, it said that Israel would hold them under subjection. And so I was thinking about that like in Ephesians 4 when it says, when He came and He held captive the host of captives, and He ascended them on high and He released gifts to men. You know, it was showing the fulfillment where He came and He brought under subjection. He held captive the host of captives. He held captive everything that would try to bind us up, that would bound us up. I know. I'm sorry. I was going off on a little rant, but I believe it was significant that you know Jesus. He held captive the host of captives, and then he released gifts, which was authority. It was, it was the Holy Spirit, the giftings of God that was given inside of us, the redemption. And so that's why, like, we are His promise. And so, you know, just let the Lamb that was slain re- receive the reward of His suffering. And so, even part of Jesus's process, you know, he was baptized. So in Matthew three, verse sixteen through seventeen, says after Jesus was baptized, Jesus came up, came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove, and settled on him. And behold, a voice come from the heaven saying, "This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." You know, I'm mentioning this. Because for the point when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were opened and they were never closed again. You know, now the Lord, He was laying on my heart to share this principle, this principle that I learned when I was school and it's, it's been coming on my heart. It's been like just something the Lord's been having me meditate on. And He was saying, God is more concerned about doing something through you then he is doing something to you. Because he's already come, he already came from heaven to earth. You know, <laughs> he fulfilled the law, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven. God has already done the most important thing that he could ever do for us. I don't know, and the Lord, He I know this is so, this might be. Kind of cheesy, but the Lord kept bringing this analogy to kind of bring it up. Because, you know, God's more concerned about doing something through us than to us. And it's like that old saying, it says, give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, you will feed him for a lifetime. And so God, he is more concerned about the fruit that will be produced through your life and your heart and character than he is giving you low bearing fruit for us to eat from. He's more concerned about fruit being produced through our life that it can impact the world around us because he's wanting to impact the world around us. He's wanting to impact He's wanting to impact homes, he's wanting to impact our cities, our nation, the world. Like if we just he wants the kingdom to have dominion. And so also the Lord, He was wanting us. He was wanting us to go over the divine process of Joseph. You know, starting in Genesis 39, and for sake of time, I will paraphrase this. And I loved it uh, when we were at youth camp with Pastor Larry and Miss uh There was a pastor. He actually taught really great on uh, the favor that God gave Joseph, and so there were some things that I was able to pull from that. But you know. Joseph, he definitely had some God dreams (laughs) when we read. But not everybody was happy about it. And Joseph, he had to endure, endure a God process. And so Joseph, he had a dream that he would be a ruler or at least a man of authority, specifically to his brothers. And, you know, he was the baby of the family at the time. And, well, that dream stirred up jealousy from his family, and that Joseph was thrown into a pit to die. Then he was sold into slavery. Then he was accused of rape. And then he was graciously sentenced to prison instead of death. And throughout many years, and throughout the many years, Joseph faced all of that hardship. He remained faithful to the God of his father. And eventually after Joseph had to endure all of these trials and years of suffering, He did become that man of authority. He did become that ruler. And he was blessed with wisdom and favor from the Lord. And you know, Joseph's response is, I believe it's so beautiful because he knew what the world meant for evil, God used for good. And that God appointed the things to take place so that he would be in position to, to save the nations of the earth from famine. That he would be, he even says that you he, when he was talking to his brothers, he said, you are the remnant of the earth of God's people. He was like, God positioned me to save you. So, you know, when he saw his brothers many years later from the pit, you know, he told them as Genesis 45 verse five says, God sent me here before you to preserve your life. And then in verse eight it says, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And so. Even parts of our process, when God takes us on a journey, when God wants us to walk in, you're like, man, you can question, why am I even here? Like, you're like, why am I here? <laughs> I don't know if I'm, am I the only one that's ever felt that way? Like, you're just walking in life, you're just doing your day to day, and you're like, God, I know what you've told me, but this looks nothing like what you told me. Come on. Yeah. Like, when he was in prison, he said, God, I thought you said I was going to be a ruler. And he had to be in prison for a decade. That wasn't like what he, but the thing is that process, it gave him a lot of time to be with the Lord and to probably work out some of those things that was in his heart. Because when he first saw his brothers, he started testing them and he was like, okay, let me see where their hearts at. Are they even remorseful for anything that they did to me in the past? You know, let me see what I can do to get my father over here again. But do you think if he did not have those years in prison, if he didn't have those years where he was underneath Potiphar's house, that do you think if he saw his brothers, he might have instantly just killed them? God probably had, in my mind, I always just think as good of a man Joseph was, he probably had to go through a process where he had to let go a lot of resentment a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of pain and say, you know what? I can see that even though they did this to me, God's the one that put me in this position. Even though it makes no sense, God is the one that's placed me here. And especially whenever he came up to the fulfillment of the promise, he didn't say, God, you actually did fulfill this word. And you used my past to get me to the promise. And so... You know, Joseph had a call of God on his life. And even though it was hard, Joseph never let go of that promise. And so, (laughs) you know, this is something the Lord, he also laid on my heart. He was saying, I just want to encourage every believer in here that if you feel like hell is coming against you and that everything that might be shattering around you, I want you to to just rejoice because you know the one that's opened up the heavens. You know the one that has came down, that he's opened up all of heaven for you, that's pouring out his spirit towards you. He's already working away where there seems to be no way. He's working behind the scenes to make it where like, hey, my children are going to be blessed. And they're going to be protected. Now, I have one more example of the night. And it's in exodus where we can find God commanding Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, And the place that was once a place of salvation had turned into a place of captivity because they did not follow God's leading when it was time to leave. You know, when God told Moses to get the people out of Egypt, he told them there would be a land that would flow with milk and honey and it would be a place that would be their home. And so, you know, this is the place that's the promised land that we read about. And so now on the way to the promise that God gave them or that he has given them, the people complained. Now, if we know when you are around people that are tired, that probably have little kids running around, that it's in the heat, <laughs> people are hungry, people are thirsty. Complaining is easy to do and it's extremely contagious. Am I right? Like, have you ever been in those situations where you are just taking everything you can just to bottle up, but once somebody says something, it almost feels like the gates have opened up and everything is unleashed. And that's when you need the Holy Spirit say, God, grab my lips. Please help me to shut up and let's just let me have a good attitude. (laughs) You know, there was a part where complaining, it was extremely contagious because it wasn't an easy process because they were on their way to the promise of God. And I'd also like to point out that in Exodus 12 verses 38, it says, uh, you know, when the children of God left Egypt, there came with them, it says, a mixed multitude. Now, there was around 600,000 people that left Egypt. And so there are many possibilities of what this mixed multitude was. A lot of people believe that it would have been some Egyptians that married Hebrew people or, e- or, even, uh, or other slaves that were in Egypt that, from where all the places of the world came. Uh, where they were captured or some Egyptians that also wanted to follow God that they had seen perform signs and wonders and the plagues. And so all of this to say, when the complaining started, Moses would hear something around the lines, why did you bring us out here to die? We had it better in Egypt. Well, I think a lot of the Israelites, they did not have it better in Egypt. (laughs) And so... I'm saying that there was probably people that joined, (laughs) that joined in, you know, that kind of piggybacked off of there and that created an outbreak of complaining over and over and over again. Especially that line where he says, we had it better in Egypt. Most of the house of Israel, no, they did not. And so, you know, we know that the divine process that was attached to the, the the divine promise, it took 40 years in the desert. And only the generation that never knew bondage, along with Joshua and Caleb, can enter into the promised land that God had given them. Because time after time, God gave the people test after test to show to show that the way of Egypt could be left up behind so they could enter into something new. But they kept on failing. They could not leave behind what was holding them captive. Because God, he was waiting. He was just waiting for them to say, just show me. Show me you could walk in the way that I'm telling you. To walk in the way that I I just asked so little of. But they couldn't leave behind the past. And so God waited for that generation that knew no bondage to experience the fullness of freedom that God told them about. And so I just want to say that the promise that God has in your life, it is so valuable that God will not allow you to bring bondage and baggage you hold on to. On. He will not let you bring in something that's harmful to the promise until you're ready. He will, he will wait for you to leave it behind and to drop it. Because he, he will make it where he will not open that door. Or he's like, hey, he's like, you can wait. It's like, God, He is not bound to time. Because, you know, He wants us to be free of all of the worry, all of the anxiety. And He wants to give us rest. You know, the Word says to worry about nothing but pray over everything. And for something that kind of irks me is that whenever I hear, I I, I never try to go on to, other churches but I've I felt like a lot of the modern trend especially into church has been to uh, accept fear into their lives is to conform to the anxiety that God's him they're like well I just have anxiety or this is how we do yes there is real things but God is saying if you are having anxiety pray Amen. that is the answer he is our only answer and so we do not need people to try to comfort us for something that God's called evil <laughs> We don't need to try to partner with something that God has set, called wrong when He's saying, just pray, come to Me. If we are weary, come and I will give you rest. We don't need to conform to like what the world wants us to do, but we need to conform to the ways of Christ in every way. In His way, Jesus walks in freedom. It even says, yeah, he's. I came to open the eyes of the blind. And he says, I came to set all the captives free. He wants us, that we're all that we're bound in sin and the ways of the world, he wants us to live in his righteousness and his holiness and his freedom. And so this might be a weird way to kind of end off and to go into an altar call, but that's like really what the word that the Lord's given me for it it going. No, no, no. So if you guys can, can everyone just stand up and just close their eyes real quick? Because I, I feel like the Lord He wants to do something and pray. Hmm. First, I want to say, if you are in here and you have been battling and contending for a divine promise, and you are still in your process, I can tell you that we would love to pray for you. I know that's probably every single one of us, but I know God is giving us strength. He is rejuvenating us. He is refreshing us. You know, He's giving us a fresh joy, a fresh peace. You know, He wants to give us a fresh baptism of His love, a fresh baptism of His fire. You know, He, <laughs> he always wants us to intake of His Spirit. He always wants to us to drink of his spirit because he never runs dry. He wants us to overflow. Hmm. So, for one, I know most of everyone in here. But if you're in here today and you're like, man, there's the man that of Jesus, the one that's the son of God, that's God himself, that he came and he he died for us and he rose and defeated death. And you want to have a relationship with him. And if you feel like you haven't been walking with him, but you want to start that relationship, would you raise your hand real quick? Yes, Lord, we got a full saved house. Thank you, Lord. And so there's another thing, but if, there is, if you are dealing and battling with something in your body, and if you have, if it's a sickness or an illness or something that the doctors have tried to say, and you're like, I am believing that God is going to heal me, that's trying to take care of me, and you just want to, you want to receive healing, or at least pray and seek for His healing. Will you raise your hand real quick? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yeah, yeah. We would love to pray with you in a moment. And if you have been feeling. Like you just need a fresh touch from God because you just feel like you need just to be re-encouraged with, by His strength and His peace and His rest because you feel like a lot of the things in life have been heavy and you just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I feel like God, He's wanting to give people a fresh dose of peace. He's wanting to give you a fresh encounter of his love that's going to equip you and strengthen you so is there anybody in here that's just been feeling like everything like there might have been things that have been heavy or things that might have been coming around and you just want to see the promise of god in your life is there anybody in here yes lord well at this time we would uh, we would love to invite you guys to come down to the altar if you would need prayer so thank you lord Thank you for listening to this week's Fuel the Flame from Newly Awakened Ministries. You can follow Newly Awakened Ministries on Facebook and Instagram. You can also connect with us through newlyawakenedministries.com.